How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Welcome to episode three of the Locked On Bucks podcast presented by brewhoop.com. I'm Frank Madden. I'm actually in Las Vegas right now, and I'm being yeah Vegas. Yeah, and and that uh, is is the man in Milwaukee at the moment, uh, Eric Name. Eric, you you sound very enthusiastic. Yes, I'm very very enthused. I'm very excited, mainly for you to be just crushing Vegas because I know you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i i explained to eric already before we went on of all my exciting activities in vegas and just for background so i had a wedding in chicago the first weekend of vegas which was great because it was a wedding in early july in chicago and it was beautiful and everything was great and saw friends and, and had a good time but the downside was that the first weekend in vegas now that they have the uh, annoying tournament format uh meant that that would have been a better week to go, of course, uh, or a better weekend to go. And so instead, I had to come on Thursday afternoon and only caught one Bucks game, unfortunately, Friday, which, you know, I didn't know when the games are going to be scheduled. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, not ideal, but fortunately got to, uh, you know, see Fun Maker in person once, got to uh, catch up with uh, folks from the Bucks and bloggers, writers, whatever you want to call us weirdos who write about the NBA uh, <laughs> and spend too far and far too much time on it. So uh, that's that's always the probably the biggest draw for me of, of Vegas. Not even so much seeing the games, just uh, the social aspect of it and catching up with people and talking to people at the team and, and things like that. So uh, so definitely worthwhile, but now I, I'm, I'm stuck here one last day Saturday. I wish I would have flown out today. Uh, instead, I'm <laughs> marooned. Uh, in my non-refundable hotel room and leaving tomorrow morning when I'd rather be uh, hanging out with my wife and uh, and uh, back home. So anyway, uh, enough of that. Still uh, a fun time. Um, but uh, we wanted to hit up, uh, do kind of a, a mailbag, uh, hit up uh, Twitter this afternoon asking people if they had questions. And uh, the first sort of subset of topics we're going to record probably – uh, at least two, maybe three, maybe more podcasts in this yeah. one setting on here Saturday. Uh, what is it? July 17th, I think, uh, or 16th, 16th. Um, so, uh, the, obviously the, the first set of questions, uh, is about Las Vegas. So I think we're going to hit those up today. Um, tackle, you know, we, we talked about them in episodes one and two, we hit up Thon Maker, we hit up Rashad Bond and Malcolm Brogdon in episode two, uh, and kind of gave you some, some early, uh, thoughts on that slash uh, complained about summer league and its format and general weirdness, um, <laughs> but we won't do that as much now. Promise, Eric, you won't complain about. Uh, uh, I make no promises no, you'll still, on that. Yeah, one. you'll still complain. Okay. I make no promises on that. No promises. Okay, uh, but we'll we'll start with a question um, from Cassidy McGowan, and he writes: Of what you've seen so far from Thon and the guys picked after him, would you have still picked? Thon, Eric, I'll give you this question first, and I guess you can either question the premise of it or you can just dive into it. Whatever you want to do, I have some specific thoughts on this as well, but but how would you react to that? The Thon reaction, I guess, is just kind of interesting because when he was originally drafted, I was kind of surprised by it, 
Um, I didn't really see that coming. I thought maybe he'd be their second round pick because it seemed like they liked him quite a bit. <laughs> so I thought maybe that was a guy at 36. So to see him at 10, I think, is just a shock to the system. So that night, I think it was a bit shocking. But I know by like Friday morning, I think we had kind of talked about it a little bit and texted back and forth and stuff. And both of us kind of figured out like, okay, this makes sense. A seven foot one athletic guy like that is going to play in the NBA. So I, I don't know if I would have picked him. Obviously we each had some guys that we liked. Uh, Deontay Davis was a big one. Obviously he ended up falling to right around that second round spot where I thought Don might fall to. Um, so he would have been a reach, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So said we wouldn't have known it because, you know, the quote unquote consensus said that Deontay Davis was a potential lottery pick. So ironically, no one would have given the Bucks any, any stick if they had picked Deontay Davis. And um, instead inst- yeah. they picked Thon. And to be honest, I really, even with the like age rumors that came out the day of uh, the draft and in talking to people afterwards, I, I can't imagine he would have lasted into the second round. It, it seemed like he was probably a mid, a mid first round pick. If um if the Bucks don't pick him at at ten, which you know you can obviously then argue, well, could they have traded down? But um but yeah, I I, I would agree generally. I mean my I think my reaction um I, I don't know if it was on my in the article one of the articles I wrote or in like the twit the tweet I sent with the the story about him being mm-hmm. picked. But I think I just used the, the term gulp. Um, because I was just very like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. that is, mm, we're going to, this is going to be controversial. Um, but it, it's difficult, you know, because uh, obviously he's a guy that, that teams and the Bucks in particular, they worked him out. They put him under the microscope. You know, the rest of us were trying to find full games on YouTube, trying to find <laughs> Hoop Summit stuff. You know, we're kind of grasping at straws a little bit. And obviously a lot of the, a lot of the reasons the Bucks picked him, you know, his character, his measurables, um, you know, some of the testing they did on him that goes beyond the, you know, the testing they do at the combine. You know, we didn't really have access to that, so, you know, not that we shouldn't question what teams do, and obviously, you know, anytime you you shock the league or shock the world uh, that's watching with the pick, you know, you can obviously question whether it's good value, blah blah blah. But um, yeah, it was. It, he's an interesting player. He always was an interesting player, and I think this week. I was certainly um, relieved by it, but I don't know. Was there anybody that you have been seeing? I mean, not, obviously, <laughs> we're not wa- we're not watching all of summer league, and I know that yeah. you've you've definitely not watched all of summer league. But we've seen, you know, some of the numbers. Um, you know, I mean, you hear kind of buzz about guys. Is, I mean, is there anybody that you're like, oh man, that guy? You know, I liked before the draft, and I think, you know, I think now, I think I'd still still probably like that guy. Yeah, I think. I, before the draft, I was probably higher on him than a lot of people were, but I really liked Henry Allenson. Um, obviously, only played in Orlando Summer League. Um, didn't go to Vegas at all. But I, I was impressed with him before the draft, and I was kind of impressed with him during Summer League. Again, if scoring is your major talent, well, then you should probably intent, that you should probably impress people during summer league because that's a skill that you, you can kind of do there because you're going to get you're going to get shots. Yeah, yeah, you're going to get all the shots that you've ever wanted. So um, it's not necessarily surprising that he looks good, but again, he was a guy that I kind of liked. Obviously, there's fit concerns here in Milwaukee, uh, so he might be one. But overall, I, I mean, again, it, summer league basketball is such a weird thing to try to watch and gauge. And overall, I mean, Thon was good in summer league, and for whatever that may mean, he was good. And I, I think 
for most people, any lingering concerns should probably be gone. And okay, maybe you're going to have someone who's worth a 10th pick and maybe you won't too. Cause no one really knows. And the success rate with the 10th round or with the 10th overall pick isn't great. And it really isn't great for any pick. So maybe he is a bust, but he's no more likely to be a bust than, than other people. I don't, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, looking at the numbers, uh, 14.2 points, 9.6 boards, uh, one block, uh, just short of one steal. He, he had zero assists uh, the whole week. Um, only 1.8 turnovers, which um, isn't bad, I think. Uh, you know, I think he cut down on trying to get to the basket um, with his with the dribble. He was, you know, catching on the perimeter, and, you know, if he wasn't shooting, he was generally just doing a quick um, hand back to, to a guard to set up a pick and roll. So I think he kind of played more within himself as the week went on, and I, you know, I don't remember him having any offensive fouls as far as, you know, illegal screens or any of that stuff, which um, is is a good sign for a guy like him because I think he sets better screens than you'd expect of a guy that light. Um, His screens he, he, are so wide. They're so wide. He gets like a nice base and those limbs are so long that he just takes up a lot of space. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's you don't have to set a solid screen to be a good screen. Screener. I mean, Correct. you know, like Miles Plumley slip screens so he can get to the rim as quickly as possible and throw down alley oops, and that's that's also a strategy. You know, John Henson does that a lot too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of like how they coach him up and and to do things differently. But I think he he does have seem to have a good sense of of how to do that. That's kind of one of those subtle subtle things. Um, as far as like for me, looking at kind of other guys, you know, Deontay Davis was hurt with with plantar fasciitis, so we don't didn't see him at all. Um, you know, again, I, Deontay Davis is for me was kind of his his upside was as you know a motor rebounder shot blocker finisher around the rim I, I wasn't really interested in him because I thought he was going to be some dynamic player so you know again I'm I'm fine with it especially given how he fell um you know clearly there were concerns around him maybe his personality seemed like kind of a zero <laughs> from a personality standpoint <laughs> maybe maybe matters maybe doesn't obviously with Thon that was a major selling point the fact that he's a high character guy that you know I mean you look at this Bucks team now it's a real consistent thing we're seeing across all these guys uh other guys Scal's been kind of inconsistent he played pretty well um the other night I think he hit his first six shots he's got a beautiful sh- you know stroke uh is he going to rebound at all I don't know uh, maybe as good or better shot blocker than Thon will be um, but I don't know. I'm I'm not exactly sold on him from just sort of a motor toughness standpoint. Um, not that Don is that like in the bag, but um, but I think Scal's kind of a toss up as well. Obviously, he slipped for a reason. And then you got kind of other guys. I mean, Ellenson was solid in Orlando. Can he you know move his feet at all? I don't know. Um, I'd be I, that was kind of my sticking point with him just defensively. And there's guys like Denzel Valentine who's had a kind of a bad week. I think unless something changed yesterday um i wasn't really that interested in him just because i don't know i just don't think he's physically talented enough to kind of be like a kind of upside guy but he isn't an interesting player could be really solid pro um wade baldwin it's been really up and down played a little better against the bucks actually um but i just didn't think he's kind of dynamic enough with the ball to be uh, a really good player so i'm not that sad about baldwin not not going and then you know like i don't know just some other guys i mean uh, timothy luawu hasn't really looked particularly dynamic with the ball which you know if he's not really doing that stuff then basically he's a just a you know a perimeter spot up guy who can play some defense yeah. which is valuable but you know not somebody somebody i'm 
you know, going to be heartbroken over necessarily, but, um, and he's 21. So, you know, he's played pro. He's not like some guy who's never played against competition. So, um, and DeJounte Murray also was super up and down, had a really good first game and then, you know, struggled mightily after that. I think he was better yesterday again, but you know, again, I, I was not kind of sold on him going into the draft. So I, and long story short, I'm, I don't think, I certainly don't think the bucks are having any buyer's remorse. I think they were probably feeling pretty good about him. You know, when I talked to a couple people with the team yesterday, I think, you know, they were they were fine, happy to have it over with. I think it was good that he put up numbers early to kind of get the monkey off his back. Kind of the the narrative around him was was pretty positive, which I think was a good thing. And now he's got some stuff to build on. And I think the big thing with Thon is, you know, we didn't see really any hint of him having skill as a post guy. Nothing as far as an off the dribble game, <laughs> playmaking obviously not. Although he's obviously playing with a bunch of guys who couldn't shoot this week. Um, so I think for me, it's really just, you know, the motor stuff, rebounding, uh, mobility defensively. I think that's obviously really important. And then, you know, the real extra dimension was his shooting. Um, and I don't know how you felt about his shooting, but, you know, he struggled kind of in the first game or two. I think he was one for eight to start. And then I think he made five of his last 11 over the last two, three games. So that's an encouraging thing because he also was not taking wide open threes for the most part. Yeah, he took some very difficult threes. I mean, he had kind of a fumbled, you know, sidestepping three yesterday. He had a step back the game yeah. before. Uh, shots that are much more higher degree of difficulty than he's going to have when he plays with Giannis and Jabari and Chris Middleton and guys that you know are going to be the focal points. So I think it's interesting, you know, to think about that uh, in terms of if he gets on the court or when he gets on the court this year you know, put him in a pick and roll or, um, you know, even park him in the corner. Uh, guys are, you know, he's going to get open looks if people get him the ball. And, and if he can actually be a guy that hits some shots, you know, six of 19 this week, 31.5%. But as I said, kind of got better as the week went on, shot 79% from the foul line, which is consistent with what he did in high school, you know, and, and indicative of the fact that he has, you know, solid mechanics. It kind of starts off a little weird, but then I don't know, like his sort of the way he gathers is a little bit kind of yeah. funky but then the actual mechanics of it are, look look pretty fine and seem pretty repeatable so um, I think that's kind of the big thing for me that um, you know and hey Scalabissier could be that type of guy too he could also be a shooter in time um, but I think that's that's the, obviously the interesting thing with, with Thon is um, you know can he be a motor guy who then also steps out and, and hits threes it's sort of strange know. that this is a weird thing to say, but I almost wish he wouldn't have hit those step backs. Like I wish he would just hit like normal catch and shoot threes. Like that would have made me feel much better. Like if he, again, I don't, once you get to the regular season, you're not going to be hopefully not be taking those type of shots. Like it would be all right. Giannis is going to drive and penetrate. We're going to run a pick and roll with Giannis and Jabari and you're going to sit in the corner and, you're just going to get an open look because those two will get so much attention. Or we're going to run a side pick and roll with Chris and he'll work off of you and he'll get you a shot. So it is exciting that that pick and pop and potential is there. And also the fact that he can catch basketballs. Like I, I, I think that <laughs> most for, of the time, yeah, for me, that was kind of a concern. Like I, there was some Biombo ish, type catches on some of those videos that you would see with Thon where you thought, ooh, can he actually catch a basketball and and dunk a basketball in a fluidish mo in a fluidish motion? And I think for the most part that was there. Again, obviously there was some times where it wasn't quite so fluid and maybe a catch wasn't 
there or necessarily clean, but for the most part, it was there, and that's that's an exciting thing. So then all of a sudden, if you do run pick and roll with him, all of a sudden you have both a pick and pop option and a pick and roll option. Uh, that can be very dynamic, can be very difficult for defenses to try to stop. So, so that was exciting for me. And yeah, I just wish there would have been like, I wish those two threes that he did hit in step backy type form would have just been catch and shoot threes. Cause then I would have been like, okay, this guy can catch and shoot threes. Like maybe this is an actual skill he has. Again, obviously it's difficult to extrapolate anything from summer league basketball, but at the same time to see those skills actually maybe be there um, is exciting. And again, at the start of summer league and even when we recorded our last podcast, I said, I don't even want to talk about the skill stuff. I just want to talk about the basic stuff and the fact that now I'm willing ish to at least discuss that is, I, I think, a step forward. So it, it is exciting to see him do those type of things and could very well lead to him getting more minutes. Like you said, like it, at times it feels wasteful when you'd put a guy like Giannis in the corner because, well, he can't shoot. And sure, he can make some cuts and do some nice things, but if Thon can actually shoot a little bit and you can stick him in the corner and maybe even – pull a defender away from the basket that is that is a phenomenal skill set for a big to have with the Milwaukee Bucks yeah I, I think and again uh Giannis I mean Giannis should not be parked in corners at this point you know I mean Correct. he's he's a guy that that because of what he can do with the ball he's got to be at the top of the key with the ball and that's I think where he likes it the most uh but Thon a guy who obviously isn't a guy who should be handling the ball no uh, or, or in the post or whatever you know, I mean, the downside of putting him in the corner or pick and pops is that you kind of take him away from the rim where he can, you know, use that hustle to to try to get second chances. So I think you got to kind of see how you do that. You know, mix pick and pops, pick and rolls. I mean, being able to do both obviously is is much better than being only a roller or only a pop guy. Um, but that'll be an interesting thing to see. And I, you know, my guess is, uh, I mentioned this the other day. My guess is that kid will actually be fine with him shooting open threes. Um, I think you know we obviously saw you know previously this desire to have Jabari and Giannis attack and not settle for threes, um, and that's kind of receded a little bit. I think Kid is much more accepting, or I don't know. And sometimes I wonder if he's just like trolling people when he talks about wanting to shoot more threes. Um, but I think that is more of a, a, a push. And again, the fact that Thon is not a guy who you want you know attacking off the dribble. I mean, I think you you'd much rather have him settle for a three-pointer even if it's lightly contested than, <laughs> than you know try to attack off the bounce which Jabari and Giannis Correct. can do but which he can't so I, I think we'll, we will see him shoot some threes this year and I'm just going to be curious to see uh, you know hopefully he you know, I don't think he's a bashful guy hopefully he uh, you know finds that right balance and kind of stays in his lane because I think kind of staying in his lane and you know and, and I saw this in, in high school too I mean he would shoot trailer you know trail threes on the break he would catch the ball and pump a little bit and try to like draw fouls and do all this stuff yeah. and it's just like okay you know that that's fine in high school but that's probably not something you want to do now so yeah and i think um, i think the red light you mentioned and everyone hates like Giannis and jabari should never been placed on a red light and i tend to agree with that sentiment but at the same time i think it was because they were so unbelievably talented in those other aspects whereas like this is a complete waste for you to be shooting 30 percent from three when you could get to the rim and you can create and you can do more for our offense. And with Thon, the three, even if he shoots it at 31% like he did in Summer League, is a better option than him dribbling in any scenario, no matter what. Like, maybe 
three, four years, five years down the road, it's not that case. But at this point, yeah, that three is a much better uh, – it's a much better outcome than him dribbling the basketball towards the basket. That's just not good for anyone. Yeah. And so and after the game, he mentioned, uh, I think, you know, as far as what's up next for him, he's going to, I believe, Canada for a little bit and then uh, probably just to sort of pack up his life. And (laughs) then he's going to make his way to Milwaukee, uh, guessing he will also be uh, at the Tim Gergrich camp, which uh, the Bucks have had guys go there previously. I mean, Tim Gergrich still does work with the Bucks. So, um, you know, you you imagine they'll be able to get. you imagine they'll be able to get on a spot yeah. in the Gurkich camp. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Well, actually, one other guy I didn't mention who's, who, who has been good this week, Jake Diallo from the Pelicans. Um, he's actually really impressed me. I think he uh, he could be a nice find as kind of a motor hustle guy, kind of like um, you know what what we discussed, sort of Deontay Davis being. Uh, he yep. he looked good. He's bouncy. Uh, athletic and block shots. Yeah, um, I was listening to Zach Lowe earlier today, and he had Alvin Gentry on a pod. And when they brought up Buddy, and like, oh, you think Buddy could play? Like, he could just be a plug-in starter and be ready to go. Like, Gentry talked about Buddy for a little bit, but then he was like, "But Diallo, like, this guy can actually, like, this guy can play." And he seemed he seemed very excited about. It. So I would agree with that sentiment. Yeah, I think if I think a lot of times it's you know as rookies, the big thing is does the coach or the organization have a mandate to want a guy to succeed in some ways, yep. uh, which I think it'll be interesting to see with Deontay Davis and Scal, given where they were picked, you know, it's very different. If you're a lottery pick, you know, it means the team really thinks you can play, maybe not be an impact guy, but that you can play and that you're a big part of the, the kind of long-term future. If you're picked later, just doesn't really kind of play out that way. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how much those guys play if, if the team really goes out of their way to try to feature them or not. And I think Tiala would be an interesting guy. You know, he could very well be the kind of best, you know, rookie big man that sort of was picked, you know, let's say from late lottery on. Um, but you know, again, nothing's really proven in Vegas. So we'll kind of probably just leave it at that. Um, one other question that we'll cover now and then, um, we'll break for, uh, for, uh, episode four, leave the rest of the question for episode four. Uh, we had a question from Ben Leach, uh, how patient should slash will the bucks be with Rashad Vaughn? And obviously that kind of plays into what we saw slash didn't see from Rashad Vaughn, uh, did not, uh, shoot the ball well this year, played worse this year than he did last year, shot 33.8%, 24% from three, uh, averaged about 14 points a game, four boards, 1.8 assists, two turnovers. Uh, so not a whole lot uh, gained, I think, by Rashad Bond this week. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, we, we covered Rashad a bit. I think the, the you know, he's a behind the eight ball, I think, a little bit with how poorly he played last year and also with Malcolm Brogdon being in the mix with Del Vadova being in the mix. I mean, they don't have, you know, any kind of obvious great <laughs> option behind Chris Middleton at the two guard spot, but they do have a bunch of guys, you know, Tyler Ennis as well. You, I mean, you can kind of mix and match with MCW, Del Vadova, Tyler Ennis, Malcolm Brogdon, Rashad Vaughn, Middleton. You can kind of mix and match however you want. Uh, and Jason Kidd's kind of shown a willingness to do that in the past. And, I mean, at this point, I don't know what happens with him. He's in the second year of his rookie deal, which is a guaranteed year. So, I mean, he's he's going to be around this year. I don't think there's any question about that unless there's some trade that he's involved in. But you know, obviously his value isn't high. And then next year – or sorry, this fall they have to make a decision. Do they take the first team option year, which would be the 17-18 year, which 
again, I, I have to think they will do that. It's not going to be a big dollar amount. It's only going to be you know a couple million bucks. So I have to imagine they will do that, um, given the optics of of cutting bait now. You know, they did that with Joe Alexander, which was pretty unheard of for a guy picked yeah. that high. Um, but I think that was largely kind of a personality thing, not a talent thing, even with with Joe Alexander. And so I, I don't think that's going to happen with Rashad. But um, you know, I don't know. I mean, if if Rashad Vaughn doesn't sort of improve you know, pretty significantly this year. I, I mean, I, we haven't really talked about it, but do you think he's a guy that could be, you know, thrown into a random deal to get rid of him, clear his slot, or do you think they could even potentially not pick up his fourth-year option next year if uh, if he doesn't play well this year? Oh, man, that's tough. It may, it's certainly possible, and I would think that maybe someone would be cool with taking him just because he would still be so young. I mean, you'd still be talking about a 21- or 22-year-old. And, again, he's got a solid frame and seems to be fine defensively. Um, so I, I guess for me the question, as it was last time we had a podcast, was can he hit an open three? And if he can't, well – then I don't know why you really keep him around because uh, I think you can find guys that can defend at an adequate rate. Like, he's he's a fine defender. I don't know if he's a good defender. I don't know if he's a great defender. Um, I just know that he can get by on defense, and last season that got him on the floor quite a bit. Um, so I, I would assume he'll get those same chances, and as long as he can defend, he'll continue to see the floor, and they'll probably try to work through some growing pains with him this year. Um, but – unless he can start hitting open threes I, it's tougher and tougher to see him staying on the bucks long term yeah and just so people have a sense of the number so he's going to be paid 1.8 million this year 1.9 million the year after and then 1819 the last year of his rookie deal 2.9 million so i think especially in the in the grand scheme of obviously where the cap is going these are obviously really small numbers so if you think he has you know if you think he's a, a hard working kid who can have any potential to be decent um then you're gonna keep him i think unless you know there's some yeah. some trade that that you want to include him in for whatever reason so you know i think he's as you said i think he's gonna have a chance i think it's gonna be interesting to see with all these other younger guys uh in the guard mix you know how that shakes out because there really isn't a huge gap in terms of talent slash production among all these guys i mean Vaughn's by far the worst just based on last year he struggled so much but you know in terms of raw talent i mean you know, is Rashad Vaughn that much less talented than any of these other guys? Not really, but nope. he just, you know, hasn't been able to put it all together. And, and I think the best version of him does have a role. Uh, and the question is just, can he get there? Um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, sort of the, the Bucks backcourt hunger games uh, take place this year and, and see th- how those how those things shake out. I think that's the biggest thing, too, is if, if one of those guys really improves over this offseason and can pull away, well, then all those minutes shrink for those other guys. If Tyler Ennis is more like the guy we saw at the end of last season and he even improved from the end of last season, a majority of those minutes could be his. Like there's minutes there at at the two, at the backup two, um, I guess just at shooting guard in general and then kind of backup point guard, how that all works out with Delhi. But you assume Delhi's going to take some minutes, MCW's going to take some minutes. And then that third point guardish off guard guard spot, whatever you want to call it, the smallest guy on the floor when Giannis is playing point guard, um, that spot, I, there's no reason to think that if someone impresses, they're not going to take a majority of those minutes. And maybe it is Malcolm Brockton. I don't know. Maybe it's Rashad Vaughn. Again, I don't know. And finally, maybe it's Tyler Ennis. Uh, 
Ennis and Vaughn are both younger than uh, Brogdon and could very well continue to grow, and maybe Brogdon can grow as well. So uh, whoever wants those minutes, if they impress, you would assume they take a majority of those minutes. Yeah, and Vaughn isn't even 20 years old yet, so, I mean, that's a big obviously factor factor in this as well um you know can can he improve right can can he get yep. better and, and can he make that that jump i think uh we mentioned sort of the, we, we discussed brogdon versus vaughn in the last podcast we kind of we kind of skipped over tyler ennis completely um and a, part of that was i think you know because because brogdon is more kind of fits as a shooting guardish i mean that's what he played in college yeah. he's bigger 610 wingspan versus Ennis is you know more of a kind of truer point guard even though he's not small um but I think it'll be interesting I think that trio it'll be interesting if any of those guys one of those guys can can make a leap ahead of the others um you know Vaughn could be decent defensively could shoot uh hasn't proven either Brogdon I think will be probably the best defender of those guys and most versatile defender and he obviously what you don't think so I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be a great defender. I'm just saying, like, is he should he be a better defender than Ennis, who I don't think is particularly toolsy defensively? Is he a better defender yeah, than Vaughn? Yeah, no, I guess you know? I guess it's fair. I'm just not cool with really expecting anything from I a guess second round pick. Crowning any second round pick anything, even among that triumvirate, just <laughs> I just feel uncomfortable doing it. No, that's fair. That's fair. And I think when you think about the Bucks ceiling as a team, we'll get into that in one of the subsequent podcasts from a question we had. I think, you know, the fact that we're trying to sort through whether any of these guys can really be, you know, above replacement players, I think that's an important part of the story for the Bucks. Is yeah. can you get can one of those guys jump up and actually be like sneaky good i think that's important i mean for me brogdon with well, the most important thing he did was he sh- i think he can defend pretty well and then yeah. i think uh i think his his ball handling and ability to kind of be you know whether he's a point guard or a shooting guard who's handling it a bit i think that that gives him an edge over um fawn as we kind of debated the other day but anyway not to, to rehash all that um any other final thoughts before we sign off on las vegas 2016 nope i think that's all i got that's all we've got. We're trying to keep these bite-sized for you. It goes against every fiber of my being to do podcasts <laughs> under 30 minutes, but I think we're, we're slowly getting there, especially now that we're trying to do a lot more of them. So uh, appreciate everybody uh, subscribing to the new podcast. It should be now on iTunes, so you can subscribe to it. It took a day after the first uh, post went up to get there, but please subscribe on iTunes. We're going to be linking that. Um, we have the RSS feed, which you could, should be able to use to subscribe through other podcasting apps and of course we're going to be embedding them uh throwing up on audioboom.com uh, and there's an audioboom app as well you can listen to us and all of the locked on podcast podcasts uh through that so lots of content going up we're gonna have lots more content coming and thanks for sticking with us through our wrap-up of summer league i'm sure we'll be referencing it going forward but um good to have it behind us uh hopefully i can survive my last 24 hours or last 12 hours let's say (laughs) in the desert and get home safely um so thanks a lot for joining us and we'll hit you up probably this is going up on monday we will hear you'll hear from us again on tuesday with uh with some more bucks talk in the rest of the week thanks for listening